Sunday Social, an hour dedicated to social media with Vaughan Davis. Sunday social world. It's technically, it's technically autumn out there, I think. I think it's autumn out there. But boy, oh boy, it felt like winter on the walk in tonight. The House Martins, I smell winter kicking off the show. I love playing songs from the House Martins because it's a tragedy. I think it's a tragedy that the only song that Fine Fine Band is remembered for is Caravan of Love. And believe me, they're a lot better than that. Hey, speaking of winter, we've got a, sh- a, uh, a website, a website coming up later in the show that's going to turn cold evenings into warm snug ones i promise you that uh we've got an app we've got an app that puts the uh well puts the app into crap to be honest um cryptic but true and anna connell anna connell joining us with um well a way to get you away from those screens i guess so you can listen to uh listen to the radio i'd love you to be part of the show I'd love you to be part of the show, show number 207. You can text me, 3920, keyword live. That'll pop up in front of the uh, one of the 25, 26, I just can't, this is 27 now. They're, they're growing screens in front of me here in the heart of the News Hub. Or you can tweet me, at Vaughan Davis, and I would just love to have you as part of the show. First, though. Air Force and the police force and Donald Trump is even getting a space force. But did you know New Zealand has its very own cyber force, sworn to defend us from cyber threats wherever they might come from. Cyber Emergency Response Team, or CERT, was set up last year and its director Rob Pope joins me from a secret location, actually an office in Wellington. How are you Rob? Yeah, good evening, Vaughan. How are you? I'm really well. Firstly, um, I've heard of CERT. That's because I'm a very you know, clued-up individual. But for people who haven't heard of it, in a nutshell, what is it? Uh, well, it's uh, a government agency uh, that was established uh, to improve cyber security uh, in New Zealand. And the reason for that was that it, although we've got existing um, cyber uh, capabilities with different organisations and the government recognised that there was a, a gap in terms of uh, confusion um, or uncertainty by whether it was individuals or uh, organisations about um, where to report incidents to in fact if, if they were affected uh, or uh, which organisations dealt with particular issues. Um, so uh, we've been established, uh, for want of a better word, to um, uh, form perhaps the glue 
that allows people to um, report an incident um, in, into a single uh, coordinating point um, so that we can either help them uh, with our own resources or where um, uh, relevant, re- refer them through to um, partner agencies. So you, you were set up in 2017, announced by uh, Minister Amy Adams or then Minister Amy Adams in 2016. What was what was the catalyst? I mean, the internet was you know around for 30 years before that, and we didn't have a cyber emergency response team. Why did we suddenly need one? Uh, it's more around just evolution, uh, in that uh, as technologies uh, improved, as digital literacy uh, in New Zealand's improved, and we've become more reliant and increasingly reliant on technology, uh, we start to see that there's a necessity for um, uh, New Zealand as a whole to coordinate um, issues that are impacting ordinary New Zealanders, uh, or through to businesses or large organisations. So uh, it's really a, 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 uh, an attempt to create a more coordinated approach uh, to give um, uh, the ordinary New Zealander an opportunity to uh, have confidence that when they're reporting an incident, it will be dealt with, uh, and also to be able to provide uh, advice back in terms of simple steps that people can take uh, to be secure online. So I was, I was looking back through the, through the history books. Well, no one has history books these days. Scrolling back through Wikipedia and 2016 when we decided we want CERT, that was in the wake of uh, a couple of sort of global internet scares, one called WannaCry and another called NotPetya. And I'm sure you'll, you'll have a very clear memory of those. But what, what were they and why did they matter and why did, why did that kind of form a bit of a catalyst? Uh, they... Uh, those two global campaigns, in fact, um, um, occurred very early in the uh, piece and when CERT was established. Uh, so it really gave us an opportunity to understand um, how the global um, campaigns like Wanna Cry and Not Petcha affected New Zealand. And um, uh, it gave us an opportunity to test our incident responses, uh, also to test how we would work with our partner agencies uh, like uh, a police, uh, the NCSC and the like. Um, so I think that probably the, the, uh, the big point that comes from both of those uh, campaigns is that uh, New Zealand can't isolate itself uh, from these issues because we are such an interconnected um, uh, network or um, set of countries these days uh, that uh, whatever happens on the other side of the world um, uh, can have an equal impact on New Zealand. Um, thankfully, both of those uh, campaigns uh, were not um, specifically directed at New Zealand, but it did give us an indication that uh, we need to be uh, secure in the way we manage our operating systems, and uh, we do need to be more um, savvy in terms of the protections we need to take uh, if we want to uh, use um, um, uh, cyber uh, in the way we um, we need to. If we, uh, if we, if we want to take you know f- full advantage of it, so so paint me a picture. You know the the threats that CERT is identifying and protecting us against. It's not, you know, some some goofball at work, you know, logging onto my Facebook while I'm not there and, and posting embarrassing things. It, it's a bit more uh, serious than that, really, isn't it? Well, it is. It's, uh, uh, we, um, uh, one of our key um, functions is to develop over time a... 
a, a more comprehensive understanding of what the cyber threat landscape uh, in New Zealand looks like. Um, and um, over the time that we've been going, uh, we're getting a much, much better understanding of the sorts of threats and attacks that are occurring to um, um, New Zealand. And uh, it won't be surprising to um, any of the viewers that uh, a large proportion of the uh, issues that are actually um, uh, hitting um, uh, everybody in some shape or form are around um, uh, things like uh, phishing, uh, credential harvesting, uh, scams and frauds, and unauthorised access. So um, you're right, they are serious and they are deeper because the underpinning motivator for all of this uh, is financial gain. And uh, so it's more than just... Um, um, people playing um, with um, systems and saying we've hacked into something, ha, ha, ha. Uh, this which, is, is serious. which is our old-fashioned, maybe naive view of a hacker, right? Someone just doing it yes. for, 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 the, for the lols. This is, mm. this is someone doing it to get direct access to your money or leverage mm. to get your money. Yes, that's exactly right. And, um, and it's, it shouldn't just be seen as um, uh, purely in the financial um, loss. And we've already had reported um, through uh, us um, several millions of dollars uh, lost uh, by um, people who have been uh, attacked or affected. But it's also around data loss. It's about um, reputational data, uh, intellectual property. So it's very wide-ranging, and uh, it really does have an impact in terms of um, um, individuals, in terms of um, um, uh, financial savings through to um, businesses who quite often are operating on very, very small margins, um, reliant on cash flow, uh, through to larger organisations that um, uh, rely very much on uh, integrity of data uh, to run their businesses. So when, when I think of a business and its computer system being hacked, I typically think of, you know, Nakamoto Plaza, a, a large, rich bank or airline or shipping company or something like that, and, you know, someone spending weeks and weeks and weeks to try and hack in. But you kind of alluded to smaller businesses. What, what are some of the cyber risks associated with being a small business owner? Because I know a lot of listeners will be, you know, in exactly that situation. Yes, um, uh, Again, New Zealand is, in fact, um, the majority of uh, uh, the um, New, New Zealand business is small business, and um, um, understandably, um, their, their main focus is on um, um, providing service and making um, profit, and uh, uh, to do so in a very competitive um, um, market like uh, New Zealand, uh, there are low margins, um, cash flow is important, and um, the um, sometimes the focus is not so much on um, uh, uh, computer systems; it's more around uh, actually managing uh, profitability, and um, that that does expose um, uh, us as a country uh, quite significantly. Um, about eighty-five percent um, of um, security issues doesn't matter whether you're a small business um, uh, or individuals. Um, um, can actually be uh, fixed, remediated or prevented uh, through some very, very simple steps um, uh, which uh, we, we offer um, advice around. Um, things like um, um, creating long, strong passwords, um, uh, two-factor authentication, um, 
and really important uh, with the um, increasing advance of technology about um, ensuring that uh, the operating systems are updated. Uh, you, know, you hear this word quite frequently, patching. Um, they really, uh, your systems need to be updated. The technology companies are regularly releasing um, updates and patches and they're doing so to uh, try and provide the best um, online security for users. So, so you're nuts. You're nuts not to take advantage of that. You mentioned passwords, which interests me because I speak to a lot of people in the tech sector, and it seems to me that the the more sort of deeply into the tech sector you are, and the more um, accounts you have, the more passwords you have, the sloppier you are. And there's there's almost a, a feeling that you know we all know that the advice is to have a long, strong password with a combination of uppercase, lowercase, you know, non-alphanumeric characters to change it regularly, all this, I feel like no one does it. Yes, I think it's, um, again, it's about uh, awareness and it's about um, knowledge that, um, that in fact you are, if you're not providing um, or creating strong, uh, long passwords, uh, you are, um, uh, another analogy, uh, giving uh, these um, people who are attacking your systems uh, the key to your back door or your front door, as the case may be. Um, and uh, I'm sure people who uh, leave their houses um, um, on a holiday uh, don't leave their doors unlocked. Um, but um, because I think we're so familiar uh, with our computers and uh, um, it's, it's easy to be lulled into a false sense of security. Uh, well, I'd, so I'd, certainly, I'd certainly never go on holiday and uh, leave my back door unlocked because you could walk right hmm. in and see the post-it note on my fridge with my banking password. Hey, I'm speaking <laughs> to uh, Rob Pope from the Cyber Emergency Response Team. Back soon. It's Sunday Social. Everything you need to know about social media with Vaughan Davis. And welcome back to Sunday Social. I'm Vaughan Davis with me from Wellington, head of the Cyber Emergency Response Team, Rob Pope. Welcome back. Yeah, thanks, Vaughan. Now, you were talking before the break about the financial losses that uh, businesses face if they don't have their, you know, cyber security buttoned down. One thing you didn't mention, I was, I was reading about this in January, and I think it's happened before, is the idea of uh, holding businesses to ransom. So getting access to their computer systems, locking them down and demanding payment unless, uh, you know, unless, unless uh, well demanding payment in order to get um, you know access back and this this has happened a few times around the world is this something that's popped up in New Zealand yet uh, well yes it has and uh, interestingly when we were speaking earlier about um, uh, WannaCry which is a, a ransomware type um, attack which clearly had um, significant impact in the UK on the NHS um, we have had uh, instances of ransomware uh, reported uh, to us in New Zealand but as a result of a lot of um, uh, publicity, uh, a lot of um, um, educational awareness and uh, other um, cyber safety advice um, coming out from CERT, uh, we actually saw a decrease in reporting of ransomware for quite a significant time. And um, our advice is that uh, if you are um, a victim of ransomware, um, certainly do not pay um, what has been asked, uh, our experience and observation is that uh, very rarely will people actually recover uh, money. Um, so again, it's important that people, um, when using computers, are um, aware of um, the 
the ease with which the click of a, an attachment uh, or something unusual um, uh, which can actually give rise to a ransomware um, virus. Um, once it's in the system, uh, very, very difficult uh, to ever recover uh, either information um, and very rarely would people um, um, uh, get anything in return for paying uh, the ransom. Well, let, let's let's uh, address now perhaps those those nuts and bolts of keeping yourself safe as an individual or as a business owner. So you talked about long, strong passwords. You talked mm. about two-factor authentication, which is kind of a thing mm. that a provider has to bolt on, you know, a bank especially. You talked about making sure your computer system software is always up to date. You didn't talk about antivirus software. That used to be the big thing. Is that not the big thing anymore? Uh, oh no, certainly a layer. Uh, we, um, from a, a cyber security perspective, um, it's um, uh, it's important to consider that uh, layers of security uh, are really, really important. Um, so, uh, but things shouldn't be viewed in isolation. Um, uh, antivirus software uh, is certainly an important um, component of um, um, uh, hygiene around operating systems. But equally so as passwords, um, it's, um, it's a motor vehicle, uh, you're either running on six cylinders or you're running on three. Uh, if your spark plugs aren't um, uh, functioning correctly or you're putting diesel in instead of petrol, uh, then you get um, uh, poor performance. Um, there's no difference uh, in the uh, cyber world uh, except that the consequences are probably more significant, um, i.e. in terms of financial uh, data loss, etc. So... All of these um, uh, simple steps uh, are around uh, providing a more comprehensive wraparound and protection um, for an individual, a business, uh, even large organisations. But you, you mentioned the email attachment, and that's that's an interesting one because this is not going to necessarily uh, be defended against by passwords or two-factor two-factor authentication or even your antivirus software, you kind of need to develop a sense for sniffing out what's dodgy. And I'm guessing you've got a pretty well-developed sense, but for those of us that don't, what are, what are the, the, the red flags for you to know not to click on an attachment? Uh, the, the first thing is, um, do you understand uh, and are you comfortable that um, what you are receiving is from the person you believe or organisation you understand has sent it? Um, secondly, what does it actually relate to? Um, again, all these um, uh, attackers and um, organised crime groups, um, criminals, uh, are doing it for a specific purpose and um, they're doing it in a very sophisticated and uh, increasingly uh, more um, subtle ways. Uh, very clever in terms of um, uh, trying to influence and trick uh, people into parting with um, uh, property, um, data, uh, credentials and the like. So it's really, really uh, important that um, uh, behaviourally uh, you are curious and, un and, and um, uh, um, hesitant uh, just to automatically click on a, a, an attachment because you think it's come from uh, your grandmother or... Or um, your bank. That's right. Um, so there are all sorts of things that uh, you should look for. Um, uh, is, it, is it in fact the bank that you bank with? Um, is, the, um, uh, is the name correct? Uh, is the language correct in terms of, um, is it um, New Zealand English? Uh, or is, it, is there something strange about the 
the grammatical construction of the email. Um, all of these are little pointers. So, uh, so if, if, uh, if it smells like a rat, it, it, it may well be. Yes. Um, and there are simple, again, simple um, approaches one can take to uh, satisfy themselves that it is genuine. Uh, if it comes from a, a bank, for, for example, um, then uh, don't click on it immediately. If you've got concerns, ring the bank uh, and inquire about yeah, it. Say, hey, um, did you just email me? And they say, no, yes. we did not. Well, well uh, one, of the, right. one of the things that pops up in business, and I've heard about this a lot, and I received my first one last week, was a pro forma invoice. And this is, this is as old as the hills, but it came by email. And it was an invoice to my business from an, a legitimate Australian business. There's a PDF attached, and it was click here to pay. And I thought, I've never heard of this business. I've had no dealings with them at all. And I, and I, I Googled them, went to their website, and bang smack on the front page was, hey, we are a legitimate business, but someone has been using our identity to send out these yes. pro forma invoices. I'm guessing, though, quite a lot of those get paid. Well, yes, they do. And we do have many instances of this. Uh, it's, it's a time-old um, uh, technique uh, used even before cyber days. Um, but uh, uh, made more uh, um, convenient uh, with electronic messaging. Uh, so um, pro forma invoices, um, um, uh, these um, the baddies uh, who are basically operating 24/7, uh, trying to find weaknesses in uh, individual business armour, constantly refining um, to make things seem as unique or as natural as possible. Uh, to influence people to actually uh, part uh, with money or property or data. And I guess it just means we've got to get better and better at sniffing that stuff out. One of the things you, you mentioned was that you take a global approach to these things and you're connected to you know equivalent organisations in other countries. Do you have visibility of where in the world the cyber attacks are coming from? Uh, yes, we've got a very um, a strong network of um, similar certs around the world, so over 100 um, um, uh, certs, so a very strong collective. Uh, we exchange information um, and uh, threat intelligence um, regularly, uh, so we do actually have a, a very strong and uh, responsive uh, network of organisations that are working um, for New Zealand and out and alternatively uh, for us providing information to other countries as well uh, and that's uh, been a really really um, good um, um, step in the right direction in terms of giving us speed of response uh, when we've needed to uh, to shut things down at times uh, or be able to uh, provide uh, the right sort of advice out to members of the public uh, or to businesses. And that collaboration, of course, is essential. But I, I'm almost picturing in my mind CERT headquarters, which I'm sure is not quite as grand as I envisage, with, it, with an, <laughs> an enormous map of the wall uh, of the, the world on one wall with, you know, the, 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 flow, of, the flow of cyber attacks and the flow of scams <laughs> coming from different parts of the world to New Zealand. I mean, I'm guessing they're not coming from Belgium and they're probably not coming from Argentina. Do we know where they're coming from? Um, I, I think... One of the big challenges uh, in this uh, incredibly fast-moving technology world is that um, the, the speed with which uh, people operate and their ability to mask where they're operating from uh, is to a degree a, um, um, a chicken and egg situation. Um, 
our, our focus really is not so much on um, um, where um, things are coming from, it's about how we might be able to reduce the harm or the impact on New Zealanders. Um, so uh, it's more important to understand um, what in fact is happening uh, and then how we might actually minimise uh, or avoid um, harm um, that is affecting New Zealanders or businesses. And, and the state of uh, origin would probably be more of a, a GCSB concern than, a, uh, than a, a cert one anyway. So you've got some resources yes. people can access. Uh, you've got a website. What's the address of that? Yes, it's uh, www.cert.government.nz, um, and I wouldn't. It's it's a really um, useful website, and we also operate an online reporting tool, um, uh, which I'd encourage people to um, access uh, and uh, use. Um, it, it uses a natural language um, approach and provides a lot of drop-down boxes, and just takes people in a very um, um, leisurely way um, through the particular uh, issue or incident they're um, concerned about. And it helps them diagnose what the issue is. And um, where necessary with their consent, uh, we can refer uh, them through to police or DIA or um, NetSafe. Or um, uh, we are able also to help people uh, with particular uh, issues. Sounds good. Um, hey, ever, been, ever been scammed or hacked yourself? Uh, I've been subject to a couple of near misses um, and I fully identify with um, uh, anybody who does um, uh, inadvertently push the button. New Zealand Cyber Security Chief Rob Pope, thanks so much for joining me on Sunday Social. Thanks very much, Vaughan. Hey, and you can listen back to that whole entire interview with Rob Pope from CERT at radiolive.co.nz under shows and Sunday social. Or, of course, there is the podcast. You might be listening to the podcast right now, in which case, hello from the past. Back soon. It's Sunday Social with Vaughan Davis. Hey, welcome back to Sunday Social and a big welcome back to the chair to Anna Connell. How are you? Oh, I'm very well, Vaughan. How are you? Good. Um, I've, I've got to say, I've got to say, I, when I emailed you this morning to say, hey, what should we talk about on the show? You replied really quickly, which kind of um, begs the question, <laughs> if the next thing you're going to talk about is just radio BS or you actually believe in it. Um, <laughs> tactics and platforms to help you step away from screens. Yes. Tell me about that. So I am you genuinely... Hip you hypocrite. I know. Look, uh, well, I knew you would be emailing me. In fact, maybe I was even compiling them when you did email me. But um, I spend far too much time on my phone, looking at my phone, and I am genuinely concerned about it because it's just a... It, it's almost just become a kind of an instinctual, oh, I have two seconds spare, check my phone type thing. And so I was chatting with some people and they were kind of When like, you say chatting? Like in real life. Oh, IRL. <laughs> IRL chatting. Uh, and they were like, oh, I challenge you to, you know, delete Twitter and da da da, da. And um, for the weekend. And I was like, okay, I can do this. And I, I could do it. And um, it was nice. And so I looked at But you didn't delete it. You just, just didn't, didn't look at it. No, I, just, no, I deleted the apps from my phone because so, it's not I'm not worried about time that I'm spending on social media for example it's the constant instinct to just have my phone in my hand like I've got calluses and like a bung thumb and it's phone related that's but outrageous I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm a little bit jealous because I, I don't have I don't have a bung thumb I've I should have a bung thumb a full-on callus on my little finger where my phone well, here's rests. the trick just use Siri more 
True, I could try. Then you get a bung, you get a bung tongue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but so anyway, I was looking for kind of something to keep an eye on how much time I was spending on my phone, and of course, there's an app for that. And this one that I have been using is called Moment. Moment, okay. Moment, and you just install it on your phone, obviously, and it just tracks how many times you're picking up your phone, how long you're actually on it, so how long is the screen kind of live. Um, and then every week it will get you to just screenshot your battery use in your settings on your phone. And then it kind of gives you some analysis around which apps you're spending the most time on. So when the first week I did it, it was horrifying. It was like I was on my phone for seven and a half hours or something every day. That's I- quite a lot. <laughs> That's quite. But but in, for for re- um, listeners who don't know, being on your phone using social media is for most of your work days it'll be part of your job it is part of my job and i do you know i do a lot of kind of emailing on the go and stuff like that but seven and a half hours just felt a little bit freaky um and especially when you compare it with the average of other moment users which was three and a half hours whoa okay you've got okay there's an issue Uh, i I have a problem I've, i've got to say first that this this app is for ios so um for you know um apple iphones it doesn't work on android so i can't try it but there'll be an equivalent yes there will be um it does sound like quite a lot but you you get this information and then so what well, I guess you get the information and you just you're sort of just horrified at yourself, um, and you question everything, and then you try and reduce the time. Basically, it sends you little notifications, which you can customize basically, but it'll send you a little notification saying you've been on your phone for three hours with a kind of little angry face emoji, um, and I guess it's just it just makes you more cognizant of how much time you are spending on your phone. And I have reduced, so I've deleted like a couple of like I've deleted face, the Facebook app and the LinkedIn app and the Twitter app from my phone. Um, I'm still on there. I'm still using it. I just I just don't go to check them kind of when I have a spare second, you know, because um, that's what I was doing. So there you go. So the, the I have reduced my screen time. And 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 what are you doing with all that time? I'm reading a book. <laughs> on 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 your Kindle. <laughs> no, on actual paper book. I've I, read a book this weekend and started another. I'm very proud of myself. There, there's an upside already. An, an app I, I played with uh, when I had an iPhone was called Forest. Have you heard of Forest? No. It's not Run, Forest, Run. It's, is it a similar thing? Um, it is. It has neat, a neat sort of interface. And what it does is allows you to set a period of time that you're going to be away from your phone. And you might say, okay, mm. I'm going to be away for 45 minutes, I promise. Mm-hmm. And for those 45 minutes, little virtual forest grows. It's a bit like oh, Farmville, you know? Remember yeah. Farmville? <laughs> yeah, it's well, still no a more, thing. no more Farmville <laughs> for you. Um, and if you last the 45 minutes and you go back onto the phone, you'll see a beautiful little forest that's grown in that time. Oh, that's uh, nice. If you're tempted to pick up your phone and you ha- you're a weak uh, you, your forest withers and dies and dies, and dies which is which is a little bit sad. Quite motivating. Quite motivating. Yes, for, for, you know, I can if something like Farmville is motivating, then Forest is motivating as well. Hey, I want to talk about something I have been doing on my phone. So I don't want to tempt you back onto your phone, Anna. No, it's fine. It's right here. I'm still on it. It is. I don't want. I don't want to tempt you back on. But this is this is kind of worthy. I think it's worthy, although there is kind of a, a, a catch. So Google image recognition. Have you ever s- stopped to think, how does Google know what's in a photo? 
Um, I've just always assumed it was alt text. So no, we, yeah. So, mm. so it's when people are uploading the uh, photos. Uh, you know, I upload a photo of a goat and to the image, it. and I write, I write goat. Well, that's only part of it. Google image recognition is a technology they've been working on for a very long time. Uh, it it works particularly in uh, Google Photos, which is mm. one of my favourite apps. I know. It goes and looks for a photo of the goat, but how does it know it's a goat? Well, one of the ways it does it is by getting humans to teach its computers to be better at finding goats. Mm. And it relies, and this is, I'm not quite sure where I sit on this, it relies on the goodwill of hundreds of thousands of people all around the world downloading this app called Google Image Labeler and going, yes, yes, Google, biggest company in the world, I will work for you for free to make your product better and sell it back to me. <laughs> and I know, but you do. And it presents you with a selection of categories based on what it knows about you. Yes. So for you, it might give you um, dogs. And, and that's all I know about you, actually. <laughs> and, dogs. And, and it'll, it'll ask you, theatre, uh, yes. Dogs theatre banking. Um, that's it. That's it. That's and me. it will it will then say, okay, w what's your category for today, Anna? And you say, today I'm going to play dogs, and it presents you with a series of photos, and all you have to do is tell Google whether or not there is in fact a dog in the picture. So I just get to look at a whole lot of hopefully you get to dog look photos. At a whole lot of hopefully dog photos. Yeah, I don't think it's going to help with my phone addiction. It but, probably um, won't because it's it is quite addictive. It is quite addictive, and every time you say yes, that is a dog, or no, that is not a dog, you're helping Google get better and better and better. And it's very, of course, it's gaming it, so it's motivating yeah. you. After ten, it says, "Go, Anna, you're a good dog spotter," or whatever it says. Can, do I get badges and stuff? You do get badges. <laughs> you get I'm badge, in. <laughs> you get badges and stuff. But you've got to wonder what what other multinational could enlist the voluntary labour of hundreds of thousands of people to do what is really quite menial online work for no reward. But it's quite satisfying, <coughs> I can imagine. It is quite yeah, satisfying. Yeah. It is quite satisfying. Not sorting quite as satisfying, however, as this. <coughs> What do you reckon that is, Anna? I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, oh God! Maybe we need maybe we need Sarah on the line from the tech booth, our tech producer, to tell us exactly what we're listening to. What is that, Sarah? Turn your microphone on, Sarah. You can do it. What are we listening to? No, she's not going to talk. She's oh, she's all scared. So what this is? What this is? Kill that awful effect. What this is... It's a South American parrot talking and screeching. Uh -huh. Look at that. Welcome, Sarah O'Dwyer. Um, that is a South American parrot talking and screeching. Why are we playing this? Because... Because... The, the BBC. BBC. I love this. I love this. Has made a whole lot of sound effects available online for free. I think that's neat. Um, I'm not sure yet what I'm going to use all 16,000 of these sound effects for. Let's have another random sound effect just to carry us through the conversation. Any ideas, Anna? It sounds like another bird. Is it a bird? Sarah? Uh, that was a mama doll. That was a mama doll. Mama, mama. Okay. I guess it would sound more like mama if you saw the, if you saw the doll there with the blinking eyes. So what they've done 
is released 16,000 very high quality but somewhat random sound effects for anyone in the world to use for any non-commercial purpose, which is quite nice. So you could use it to make music as long as you weren't selling yeah. the music, I suppose. That's good. Or perhaps you ring could tones. use it as a free ringtone. Exactly. Or, or just to ring people up. And Let's hear that parrot one again. I'm going to ring people up in the middle of the night and play this. Stop the parrot. Um, so the, the 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 actual website to find the sixteen thousand free BBC sound effects is is so long as to be not worth telling you. So if you just Google um, BBC free sound effects, you will no doubt find it. Or I'll tweet it. So follow me at Vaughan Davis, and it'll be worth it just for that. After the break, the apps you just need to know about, including including if you're on a long drive and you've got to stop for a you know what. Back soon. It's Sunday Social with Vaughan Davis on Radio Live. Back to Sunday social, nine minutes to the hour. Mr Graham Hill waiting in the wings to kick off the weekend variety wireless Sunday edition. Anna Connell, welcome back. Hi. Hi. Well, we, you, I was looking at my phone. <laughs> I, I, I don't want no monosyllabic answers. I want, I, want, I want big, big, fruity, useful answers from you, Anna. Um, my app of the week, my app of the week, I love this. Uh, the name of it is a bit weird. The, the app is called Where Is Public Toilet? It's a, yeah. It's, it's missing missing a preposition or something. That's a really snappy name. It is. Where <laughs> is public toilet? Well, this is this is kind of what the internet was invented for. I think. Sure, I mean, honestly, it's just I can't believe it's taking this long. I know, I know. Well, I used to, and and the reason the reason it uh, appeals to me is I used to do a lot of running, and I'd, I'd I'd run a long way, and I'd be in unfamiliar neighbourhoods, and sometimes you'd want a public toilet, but you wouldn't know where one was. So there's an app. It's called Where Is Public Toilet. This is the Android version, but there's there's other versions as well. Uh, it, it originates in Australia. It uses your location to show toilets around you. Uh, it will tell you whether they're accessible or not, whether they've mm. got a changing table or not. Handy. I don't think it rates them. I don't think it rates them. There was them. a Twitter account that was rating Yeah, but that was, that was a little bit jocular. This, <laughs> is, this is serious. This is serious. It's got 280,000 toilets worldwide, which I suspect is not all the toilets that there are worldwide because the ratio of people to toilets would be quite high. Um, and this is the most interesting bit. It's an offshoot of an Australian government Department of Social Services project, mm -hmm. and I love this, our government is rubbish for not having one of these, um, the National Public Toilet Map. This so is great. In Australia, they have a National Public Toilet Map. Why don't we handy. have one, Anna? Well, I you know government people. Yeah, I'm going to ask them about this very serious question. I'm, in, I'm assuming they just rely on Google Maps to provide that information. Well, you can't leave it all to Google. So the Australian government went and created the National Public Toilet Map. Uh, so this is, this is useful information if you headed across the ditch. Uh, toiletmap.gov.au. This so is amazing. It is amazing. And... You can go to any part of Australia. It'll tell you where the dunnies are. It won't tell you whether or not there's a red back on the toilet seat. Mm, yeah. I mean, surely it wouldn't be that difficult to do it here, right? Because there must be a list of public toilets in well, this country. Think, you'd think, well, you just get the app. 
where is public toilet? And there's quite a good list. But here's the, here's the thing I like even more. I'm I'm pretty much in love with this site. And uh, if, <laughs> how often are if, you using? Well, that? <laughs> if if I if if it, if it weren't for my my duty to deliver a decent audience to Graham's show, I'd keep talking about this public toilet app mm, for the rest of the show. Yeah. But I won't. I'm almost finished. Um, it has a feature toiletmap.gov.au where you can plan your route. You say, hey, I want to I want to go from the Harbour Bridge to Bondi Beach, mm-hmm. and it'll tell you all the toilet stops along the way. And it's actually not as funny as as, as you know. I mean, toilet humour, toilet toilet humour, <laughs> toilets are funny. Yep. But the, there's there's an incontinence society that has been one of the drivers behind this in Australia. Oh, I, so yeah, not everyone can you know go a decent time between toilet stops. Um, but the number of toilet stops between points of interest in Australia fascinated me. So from the Harbour Bridge to Bondi Beach, it's quite well furnished mm-hmm. with public toilets. I'm guessing, I'm guessing they're not talking about, um, you know, duck into the Starbucks, which is pretty much the only reason you'd go into one. Um, there are 13. Between the, Bondi and, and the, Harbour, the Bridge. Harbour Bridge. Yep, that's yep. a good number. But then when you go when you go cross-country, it gets mm. she's <laughs> slim pickings. So from... You know, here I am at Bondi Beach. Where shall I go next? I know. I'll go to Uluru. Right. Um, which is like a 15-day drive, I mm-hmm. think. Uh, there's only 37. Mm, okay. So and the entire like, the, on what, that route, the entire two enti- per day. Yeah. The entire the entire um, state of South Australia on, on on the route that you would drive has only about four public toilets. So work to be done. But that's the beauty. That's the beauty of this website. That's it's the beauty surfaces. of data, isn't it? That is the beauty of uh, the beauty of data, isn't it? That is the beauty of data. Yeah. That is the num- number one benefit, and also <laughs> also the number two benefit. <laughs> you knew that was coming. I did. Yeah. You're still couldn't not laugh. Hey, Kev, don't laugh too hard. You might have a heart attack. But you know what? That's okay because... There's an app for there's that. There's an app for that. This is really cool. Like, it's a really cool app. Why don't you talk us through it? Well, I will. So it's emergency responders in Wellington, isn't it? Yeah, so they're trialling it. They're trialling it. St John down there. Yeah, uh, so, so no, no, the Wellington Free Ambulance, It's I say. been around for a little while. Like, it was um, invented overseas a wee while ago. But basically, it's called Good Sam... Short for Good Samaritan, but also something else, right? Uh, uh, yeah, I think it's a complicated... Smartphone activated medics. Yep. I think they're trying too hard. Yeah. Um, and so basically it is all about increasing your chances of survival of a cardiac arrest by alerting people who are trained in CPR that somebody in your proximity is having a cardiac arrest. And it uses GPS technology to do that. So you download the app. As a punter, you download the app? Well, you download the app if you're just a person who's worried about having a heart attack, I guess. Yep. Um, and you also download the app if you are CPR trained. And if you are having a heart attack, you use the app to send an alert. And then people who have also signed up to the app who are trained in CPR will get a notification and your location and will be able to go and help you. And they'll come running. Which is really important because apparently that that very short window of time before maybe an ambulance can possibly get there is crucial. Is critical. Uh, as is doing it in time to the Bee Gees hit song, Ah, 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 Staying Alive. Live. Yep, that's right. I wonder if the app does that. Uh, maybe that's something they could add to it. So the way to get this app, it's free. So if you um, consider yourself to be at risk of a heart attack or if you are, you know, done one of those courses at work and mm. you're confident in CPR, uh, you just can search. put yourself to good use. It's like crowdsourcing yeah. medical help. Um, just just uh, search Good Sam on your uh, Apple or Android um, app store and Bob's your uncle. Hey, this next one, this next one, this is my website of the week. Um, well, apart from the toilet one. 
My weird, okay, all right. The toilet ones, my, one weird, my weird side of the decade. <laughs> um, this is, I mean, we opened the show on the House Martins song. You might still have been driving, Anna. Uh, I smell winter because it's getting pretty bollocky it cold is. out there. It's freezing. Um, and nothing warms a room like a video of a crackling fire. Ah, uh, yeah. No, yeah. no emissions. No emissions, no, uh, no, no energy use, no actual warmth, but uh, a crackling fire. And if you've got I a, love a fire. I love a fire. And if you've got, you know, you've got a heat pump. There's no fun in that. No, so God, then no. Warm up with the heat pump by, by, by all means. You know, get under your, your nana blanket, uh, but put this on your big screen. It's called the internetfireplace.com, mm. and all it is is a video of a fire. <coughs> With sound effects, which I think is very important. I think it's I think mm. it's cosy. I, yep. I think it's cosy. It might it might even be romantic. It mm. might even be romantic. I don't know. There's still something about a real fire. Well, what you need to do is you have you have on the big screen you have um, the internetflyplace.com, and then you get one of those Microsoft surfaces, a horizontal one, and on that you have the internetbearskinrug.com. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's <laughs> or. Just get a fireplace and an actual bearskin rug. No, so no one can have fireplaces anymore, right? Because they're bad right. for the environment. So the the internetfireplace.com is is the next best thing. It's funny. It's it's the psychological effect is powerful and it it, it, it makes you feel warm just to look at it. And fun fact, uh, I had to do a, a fireside chat with a guy Steve Wozniak, who um, you'll probably know <laughs> uh, is one of the co-founders of of Apple, and. This event at the Aotea Centre was was themed a fireside chat, but no one had thought there was no fire. So I got an iPad and and put the internetfireplace.com up on the iPad on between the... us. Oh, that's beautiful. But then it went to sleep. Hey, thanks, Anna. Thanks, Vaughn. Thanks, thanks for coming in. Me. And I hope you step away from the screen for all of the next seven days. Mm. Uh, thank you, Rob Pope from the Cyber Emergency Response Team. Sarah Adwire in the booth. Next up, the Weekend Variety Wireless. I'm Vaughn Davis. Nighty night.